Every year, Bill and Melinda Gates release a letter talking about their philanthropic efforts. This year, the letter is all about the future, specifically how technology will dramatically change the lives of the poor in just the next 15 years. That's exactly the sort of thing we think about at The Verge. So we asked Bill Gates if he would be our guest editor in February as we explore the four areas he thinks will undergo the most change. As you might have guessed, Bill agreed, and I spent the afternoon with him talking about his vision for the next 15 years. He also talked a little smack about Bitcoin. It's kind of a special year because the foundation is now 15 years old, and also this year we have the UN looking at the Millennium Development Goals, uh, which were the world's progress from 1990 to 2015, and adopting the next 15 years of goals. So what can we get done by 2030? So we pick health, education, uh, farming, and banking, and say, we think some very dramatic things can happen. In fact, we go as far as to say, we bet that life for the poorest will improve more in this 15-year period than it ever has before. So let's get right into the four areas. I, I, I want to start with health, because I think that is where you're making both a set of big bets on what technology can do and on what just fixing the infrastructure can do. So what are the sort of the two areas that you see happening now? Yeah, health is where we've spent the most money. The majority of our work uh, has been there. Uh, part of that is, is the upstream science, inventing new vaccines, and part of it's been the downstream. Once you have those vaccines, how do you get them out to all the world's children? Uh, we're raising the money so that the limited budgets of those countries don't block them from getting even the, the very latest vaccine. So one for diarrhea called rotavirus. Uh, next five years, we'll get out to all the kids. One for respiratory disease called pneumococcus. I will get out to all the, all the kids. And those two alone uh, will save uh, over half a million lives. And that's why we think uh, we can go from the uh, one in 20 kids, 5% who died before the age of five, uh, now, uh, 15 years from now, get that down to be one in 40. In addition to health, Gates thinks farming will get far more productive for the world's poor. Well, to get agricultural productivity up, you want many factors working in your favor. You want better seeds. Uh, you want farmers to adopt the best seeds. The farmers have got to be a lot more educated because uh, they can often grow two crops in a season, and the way they deal with soil health by rotating the crops can make a big difference. Uh, they also need a credit system because if they don't have the money to get fertilizer, that alone will cut their productivity very substantially. And so that farmer education system, uh, that's sometimes called the extension system, the R&D to make those better seeds, uh, which is really very underfunded, uh, by managing those things well, uh, we predict that we'll get African productivity up to 1.5 times where it is today, and that will get Africa to the point where even with its population growth, uh, somewhat worse weather, Instead of importing feed, food, it will be able to feed itself. So when you talk about developing better seeds, it's that to me sounds like you're talking about GMOs without really talking about GMOs. Is that a term that you're avoiding because it's a boogeyman? Even though when people figure out what GMOs are, they're generally okay with it. It seems like we're not talking about actually big ag companies doing GMO research. Well, GMOs are very well accepted in some countries like the United States and not as well accepted in, uh, in Europe. The African countries will have a choice of whether to use those tools. And there is quite a bit of improvement still available with conventional breeding. But in this time frame, the GMO-derived seeds will provide far better productivity, uh, better drought tolerance, salinity tolerance. And if the safety is proven, uh, then 
the African countries will be among the, the biggest beneficiaries. And so I, you know, by making sure that their safety review is well funded, so it's all done on a uh, basis, the same as we do for medicines. I mean, after all, uh, medicines, some are very dangerous, and yet, you know, every country says if something goes through a safety review, they're not going to deny themselves uh, the benefit of, of breakthrough medicine. So I, I think most of Africa will uh, see this as a, uh, a, a way to improve their productivity, but it's a, it's a sovereign decision. No, no one makes that for them. Right, so can you step in and provide sort of the, like a quasi-regulatory oversight and say, you know, we've invested in Monsanto, we've invested in Cargo, we've looked at this, and our foundation will provide the vouchsafe for these things, or are you going to leave that up to each of these nations to do alone when they might not have the resources to do it? Well, we can fund training uh, so that they have scientists who uh, can staff their safety commission. We can make sure that the studies that they're, they're done and done well. Uh, we can incent the uh, companies that are making these great seeds for rich countries. We can work with them to make sure that it's at least available, actually at a lower price, because uh, that tiered pricing where poor countries get a better price has worked so well in medicines. That same type of thing we can make sure happens with these crops. But at the end of the day, you know, they get to decide anything about uh, which vaccines, which drugs, which seeds are okay. You know, that's, that's their country. Uh, but their expertise is, is developing, uh, so I, I feel like they'll, you know, they'll, they'll make a good choice. And I want to talk about pricing just real quick. So um, I have a quote here from the UN Conference on Trade and Development 2013 report. Uh, and I'm just going to read it real fast. Uh, the perception that there is a supply-side problem is questionable. Hunger and malnutrition are mainly related to the lack of purchasing power and or inability of rural people to be self-sufficient. And so I guess my question is, is this really about developing more crops, more, uh, more supply, or is it really about the income inequality in these countries? Well, you, you, food doesn't magically move itself from one place to another. You know, otherwise, you know, the sinks of rich uh, uh, world homes, you know, all that <laughs> nice stuff uh, that, you know, it's good stuff, clean, doesn't get eating, it would be there. Uh, and we do have population increase where Africa in particular will grow a lot. And then we do have, uh, as people eat more meat, the, there's an inefficiency that you have to grow more grain to create the equivalent number of calories in meat. So we have to increase world food productivity uh, quite a bit, uh, almost double it by 2050 between all, all the different factors. And one of the few places where there's acreage that's not being used and that the productivity is way below the world average is in Africa. And so it's wonderful that many of the poorest people in the world are African farmers getting their productivity up so they can uh, have more nutritious food, more food, and meeting that global demand. Those two things are gonna go together. Uh, and so it's a, it's a huge win-win that as we help them, we help feed the world. Let me ask it much more directly. Is it better to invest sort of in the supply side or is it better for you as a very wealthy man to just buy people food? Well, the impact of a more productive seed used by millions of farmers, it multiplies that R&D investment you know, by factors of a thousand. It's right, like writing a piece of software that millions of people get to use. You know, would I have been better to go to somebody's typewriter and type up a Word document for them, or uh, instead of using Excel, I'm, I'm actually good at multiplication. I could have done the multiplication for them, or should I create Excel and then 
uh, it, it can do a lot of multiplications for a lot of people. So there is something that only philanthropy and government can come by and do, and it's far more impactful than doing that as a handout. The scale of government as a whole is gigantic compared to philanthropy. Philanthropy has to pick the risky, diverse things that uh, the, neither the market nor government are going to do. And R&D, our pilot schemes to improve delivery, those are the kinds of things that uh, philanthropy is unique at, at driving forward. Gates' vision for banking and finance is perhaps his most idealistic. He believes mobile payments and microtransactions will allow the world's poor more and better access to financial institutions and credit systems, even if problems like regulation and technology lock-in aren't fully solved. Part of it is that the fixed cost of uh, ATM machines and bank tellers and all that means that small transactions are money losing in the old system. There's just too much labor, uh, too much paperwork, too much physical activity. In the new digital realm, where we take and build a debit card uh, equivalent that's just your cell phone. Uh, as we've seen in a few pioneering countries like Kenya with a system called M-Pesa, or I talk about the Bangladesh B-Cash, it's a, a newer one, but that's catching on pretty quickly. There, even 50 cent type transactions, you can have an under 2% fee. And so it starts to be economic to bank the very poorest, not with branches or ATMs, but simply with the cell phone. And so now all these benefits of, okay, I'm a farmer, when I sell my crop, help me to set aside enough for next year's seed and fertilizer, uh, or my kids going to school, help me do the set-aside so I won't be surprised when those fee requests come in, uh, that that is going to be delivered through that digital infrastructure. So digital infrastructure is something that you are particularly expert in. And so, uh, you know, when I look at that, I think that's great, and the increased liquidity it, of transactions and assets when you move them to phones instead of cows obviously makes a lot of sense. But the flip side of it is that you're offering a lot of power now to technology vendors who may not be in a, a market where poor people have enough market power to move off their platform or pick a better rate or do any of the normal things that consumers in an otherwise regular technology marketplace would do. How do you solve that problem where you're, you want the best technology product to win or the most fair to consumers to win, but because the vendors could get there first can lock people in? might just necessarily run away with it. No, it's a good point. The, there's a need for a utility-type service that lets you move money uh, when you want to pay someone else, pay a store, so that you can pay a store, no matter if they use the same bank as you do, you can pay your relative in the rural areas, no matter if you use a different bank, or if you want to switch your account from bank one to bank two. And so a lot of our work to get this low-cost uh, digital debit card using the cell phone going uh, 